Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into scripture, study it together, and apply it to our lives. Today is Friday morning, and we are diving in uh, to John chapter 18. Uh, Jesus has just finished uh, his high priestly prayer where he prays for himself and his disciples and uh, future disciples, which would be you and I. And now we have a change of scenery starting in chapter 18, where uh, John begins to tell us uh, really the, the vast uh, leg of Jesus's uh, of Jesus's life, the, the description um, uh, of 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 his arrest, the trials, the crucifixion, and the bur- burial of Jesus. And so this section is from chapter eighteen through chapter nineteen, verse forty two, and it deals with the arrest, the trials, crucifixion, and the burial. And so let's start reading, and we'll pause as we go through these first 11 verses and make note as we go. We start off in the first uh, verse, and we have a uh, description of the scene as the scene changes from Jesus and what I believe is Jesus and his disciples walking through Jerusalem uh, now to the edge of the Kidron. Uh, Let's pick up there, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, and that's the words not only to his disciples, but also the high priestly prayer. Um, he, he went with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now, this verse can be translated in two different ways. Uh, some hold to the belief that uh, all that precedes uh, chapter 18 is still happening in the upper room um, uh, from the time that Jesus said uh, in verse <clears throat> Um, 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 31. Uh, some people uh, believe that he says, rise, let us uh, go from here. And, and some believe that he stayed there through f- chapter 15 and 16 and, and 17. Um, uh, I, however, believe that he got up from there and chapters 15, 16, 17 are on the move. And then in verse 18, uh, we see Jesus entering the Kidron Valley. Uh, anyway, this is a this is just a transitional statement, uh, and John is going to describe the setting of the arrest here. Um, he says, "On the other side, there was an olive garden, and he and his disciples went into it." He went into this garden, this olive garden, with his disciples, and so uh, uh, verse two then further clarifies some things for us. Now, Judas, it says, remember Judas had left during the scene. During, during the Last Supper, Judas, who was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So if you picture the scene for just a moment, G- Judas had left the dinner uh, earlier on when Jesus told him to go and do what he has to do. And uh, so we don't see him moving. We can see him in other Gospels uh, talking about how he uh, 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 betrayed Jesus. But here he re-enters the scene, and some have uh, argued and said, "Well, how does Jesus know where, where? How does Judas know where Jesus would be?" Well, the answer is given to us by John. He says he knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples, and so knowing Jesus's routine, knowing kind of what he would do after spending three and a half years with him, he knew this is where he would be. And so then in verse three, uh, having described the time and the setting, the uh, the evangelist John begins to describe the arrest. It, verse 3, it reads, Judas Lamb, having received the Roman cohort and officers from, 
uh, from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. They, they came um, um, with, with Judas is leading this party of sorts. Um, Judas had betrayed Jesus not only to the temple officials, uh, but also he had asked Pilate for a, a segment of Roman soldiers as well. And here they come with court torches and lanterns. The torches and lanterns are, were needed because it was night, as we saw from chapter 13, for example. It was night, and though being the Passover time, uh, with the full moonlight, it might have been visible. Um, they were carried torches because it's nighttime. Uh, weapons were also normally carried by Roman soldiers and, and needed in case uh, they had to deal with uh, possible resistance from Jesus or his followers. Look at verse 4. Uh, Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? Now, this is fantastic. John reminds us here as we see this scene unfold that Jesus isn't taken off guard uh, by what's about to happen. Uh, he's not caught off guard by his arrest. He knew what was going to be happening. In fact, he had been predicting it uh, leading up to this point. Jesus knew what was happening. He, he knew what, what was going to be taken. He, he's not taken by surprise. In fact, he's already insisted that he would lay down his life of his own accord. If you remember back in John chapter 10, that no one would take it from him. Here's an interesting thing, and it's not really that much different from today, but in this culture as well as in ours, usually anyway, it's a matter of shame to be arrested. And so by taking the initiative himself, Jesus shows that he's not going to accept that shame. And so he says forward and he says, well, who, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they say. It could be translated um, uh, Jesus the Nazarene, as it is in the NASB. Um, Jesus isn't going to be um, uh, shamed. He's not going to be shamed. And so when the soldiers and the temple officials said that they're looking for Jesus, he simply reply, replies in verse 5, I am he. Again, he's using this phrase that's repeated throughout uh, John's gospel, ego, I mean, I am he. And this is one of the many usage of I am, I, I am he, or ego, I mean, in the Greek, uh, in, in John's gospel. Uh, I am he. And by this, Jesus is simply identifying himself. Uh, in, in now, in parentheses, look what John tells us. Um Verse 5, he says, And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. And so Judas, the traitor, is standing there with him. And, and, and while John doesn't give us the details of Judas's betrayal, um, uh, we, we see what has happened and we see the arrangements that are made in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark chapter 14 and in Luke chapter 22. And so you can feel free to, to read that. Uh, in that depiction, we see Jesus betrayed with a, with a kiss. And so, and so Jesus identifies himself in a very dramatic fashion by saying, I am he. And look at their response. Um, so when Jesus said to him in verse 6, when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, this is a very... Um, um, uh, confusing text in some in some ways uh, why would it be that that they fall back why would they fall to the ground 
Jesus is using this term, I am he, as a form of uh, self-identification. Um, but he's also applying the, the divine name to himself, a claim to be God or one with God. And we've talked about this earlier in other podcasts. And so whether or not the Roman soldiers and the temple officials understood Jesus' his words in this way, uh, it's clear that some revelation of his power or authority must have occurred. And we don't know really why this happens, but some sign or revelation of his power must have occurred to make them draw back and fall to the ground. And so Jesus responds again in verse 7. He says, Therefore again, he asked them, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And so Jesus said to them, I told you that I am he. If you seek me, let these go on their way. Again, this would have been a, a shameful thing to be arrested. And so Jesus is taking the initiative. He's stepping forward and saying, Who is it you want? I am the one you want. If I'm the one you want, uh, then let these men go. Jesus is not going to accept shame in the arrest. Uh, He's, he's not going to have his personal liberty uh, curtailed by others. On the contrary, he, he has remained in control. In his command to the Roman soldiers and the temple officials who, who hold torches and weapons, he, he says, look, I, I, I'm the one, therefore let these guys go. And in, in, in that he's referring to his disciples. And, and then John adds why this happened. Jesus says, let these go on their way. And John tells us in verse 9 why Jesus had said this. This was to fulfill the word which he spoke. And then he quotes uh, Jesus by saying, of those uh, of those whom you have given me, I have not lost one. Which is a a, a, clo- a, a quote um, from, from John chapter uh, 17 uh, in his high priestly prayer. And, and so John tells us that, he looks back as he's writing this and he sees how Jesus said this, and that is the fulfillment of Jesus' earlier predictions that he would not lose one. And so, verse 10 and 11, then, we see a really passionate scene. It's kind of a neat thing to see. Uh, let's read it together. Verse 10 Simon Peter, then, having a sword, he drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name, was Malchus. This is such a, a, a neat picture. Seeing Jesus about to be arrested, Simon Peter, in an act of bravery, he draws his sword and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off the ear. In Luke chapter 22, we learn uh, that at the Last Supper, the disciples had two swords among them. And now John tells us that Peter stepped forward with, with one of them to defend his master's honor against the shame of arrest. What, what a courageous thing that Peter is doing in, in some regards while um, we, we see uh, much like at the at the last supper and his denial to allow Jesus to wash his feet we see um, um, uh, that, that Peter is unintentionally evading Jesus's will Um Jesus commands Peter, he says, put your sword away. Uh, Jesus was not um, going to be shamed by the impeding arrest. He would not accept that shame. He had already shown that he was in control of the situation. So he asked Peter, shall I not uh, drink from the cup my father has given me to drink? 
he, he, he says, Peter, put your sword away. I'm not being taken, uh, at, you know, against my will. And in this illusion, uh, this illusion is really to Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, uh, where he had prayed the first part that if it were possible that the cup of suffering were passed from him. But above all, uh, as we see throughout Jesus' life, his prayer was that his Father's will would be done. He did not need his disciples to fight in his honor uh, because he was now determined to drink from the cup of suffering. The, the only other, the, the, the other three gospels rather, also record the fact that one of the disciples, um, one of the disciples cut off the, the right ear of the, or I'm sorry, cut off the ear of the high priest's servant with a sword. Uh, but only John tells us that it was Simon Peter, uh, his disciple, who had done so. Uh, and Luke also records the fact that Jesus had, had healed the man. And so Jesus takes a chaotic situation with Peter stepping forward, and he not only stops Peter from continuing down this path of violence, but also he, uh, uh, he heals the, the man who had been cut. You know, this passage, that's where we'll stop today, but this passage is, a, is an interesting passage. And, and the thing that stands out to me the most is, is Peter's response. You know, we've prepared ourselves for Judas's betrayal. We've pre- prepared ourselves uh, for the betrayal uh, and the and the and the agony that's going to be coming for Jesus, and we'll see more of that as we go. But the, the, what stands out to me here is Peter's response. Peter responds to defend Jesus um, with a sword. I, I'm reminded of of uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, where, and I'm going to butcher the quote here, but uh, it just came to my mind, so I thought I'd share it with you. Um, it, it's the idea of, uh, you know, who are you to defend the lion? <laughs> the lion doesn't need defense. Um, uh, Peter finds himself in a position where he's going to defend the Messiah, the Savior. And, you know, I think we often, I know I often find myself in that position today in a most, uh, in a growing post-Christian world. Uh, there are a lot of attacks uh, uh, loved at Jesus, at Christianity, at faith. And I often find myself with the desire to defend, uh, to stand up for, to to um, uh, attack back, draw my own sword. And this is most readily seen on, on Facebook, as it were. I'm reminded here, though, that when it comes to matters of Jesus, Jesus doesn't need my defense. Now, I should be ready to defend Jesus, to, to give an account for the reason of faith that I have. We're told elsewhere in Scripture, uh, be prepared in season and out of season to give a reason as to why we have the hope we have. But, but I don't need to defend Jesus, at least not in this way, not in the way that the world needs, that the world sees, that the world would have us respond what we see here is Peter uh, in a an act of passion, an act of devotion, really, uh, willing to risk his own life, knowing that he would die had Jesus not st- stepped up here. I mean, remember, he's raising a sword uh, to a, 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 a group of, uh, of, of Roman soldiers. And Peter, there's no way Peter, I mean, this is the, the Alamo, this is the last stand, he would have died surely in this garden if it had if it had not been of Jesus's authority as the I am 
to stop the things, uh, to stop the violence, to 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 uh, command really that that the disciples be that go. P- Peter acts boldly, and there's a time for you and I to act boldly in our words, in our defense of of Christianity. There's a place for that. But there's also a place to step back and allow Jesus to do his work, to take control. Understanding that Jesus is not dependent on me, rather I am dependent on Jesus. And so as we finish the week and start the weekend, uh, my encouragement to us as we look at John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, my encouragement to us would, would be to live this weekend dependent on Jesus. Jesus is not dependent on you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Join us again Monday as we continue this account, and we'll pick up in verse 12 tomorrow. God bless, take care, and thanks for listening to the Leesburg Daily.